0: That's recording. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Foundational Healing Deliverance Prayer Ministry Podcast, where you will learn strategic spiritual warfare and aggressive prayer. If you have questions or comments, call us at 484 218 1683, or email us at fhdprayerministry at gmail.com. Let's get started with the show.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you're feeling me, then holler at a brother. If you're feeling me, then holler at a. You say that we gon' ride for one another No matter what, you'll always be my brother No matter where you're from, no matter the color We cool, just don't say nothing about my mother If you say this shit that we gon' do it bigger No excuses, everybody gon' deliver We gon' lock it down, keep that on the gorilla If you're feeling me, then holler at a figure if you say it's your time like never before hey, What hell you down won't hold you down no more hey, Every time you do your thing baby you go. Hey, you believe that God don't want you to be poor hey, Drop top bins and making ends and living nice hey, Don't have to gamble to make a living rolling dice hey, If you say that God got everything you need and don't need to sling no cane or no sell no weed. Hey, if you say that you got Jesus, do your math. Hey, and zero out everything that is in your path. Hey, if you're sick and tired and you can't sleep at night, hey, just know that God gon' make everything right. Hey, if you say you got the word, then you got hope. Hey, and God almighty's gonna help you cope. Hey, if you wanna grab the devil by the throat. A better yet just hang them by a rope. If you with your girls are chillin' with you, boy. My lady Scream.
0: Whole- God bless you, God bless you. I wanna welcome you. I wanna welcome you to our radio our radio show tonight. Um, tonight you're certainly in for a treat, so I'm not gonna spend too much time um, running off at the mouth. Uh, we have here with us our Pastor Jeremy um, Jackson. and Me and him have been speaking together over the course of about two years. Uh, yeah, about two years, I believe, and every time um, we connected, it was always a kingdom uh, conversation. We knew, um, of course, about the goodness of Jesus, but it was always uh, in regards to business and how to Advance the kingdom. And uh, when you talk to somebody of that magnitude and just being able to align with them in thoughts and engage um, in some very powerful uh, conversations, but not only having a conversation uh, with an individual, but having a conversation with an individual that has the uh, momentum, the concepts um, in place along um, with a wife that is truly active, uh, within his ministry and, um, within his business. So it's just an honor, uh, Pastor Jeremy to have you with us tonight. And thank the you. honor is mine. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much, um, for taking the time out of your, your, you know, your busy schedule to engage with us here tonight. So people, when you. Yes, Amen. So people, when you, um, you know, you talk to a person, it's just so, so um, surprising, so mind boggling how you can just have a conversation. But that conversation is now in momentum. It's it's a reality. It's a manifestation. You know, people talk every day. They talk, they talk, they talk. They got ideas, they got ideas, they got ideas. But, you know, how many of these conversations are really uh manifesting. So this this gentleman right here, um he's powerful. He's powerful. So I'm going to just stop talking, <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> and you just tell the people of God and uh people of God, thank you so much again for tuning in, but Pastor Jeremy, yeah. you just um you got the floor. We got time and just tell the people All of right. God about your movement.
1: All right, wonderful. Wonderful. Again, my name is Pastor Jeremy Jackson. I'm the pastor of Mark Generation Outreach. And um, first of all, I just, I just love to begin with just a word of prayer um, so that we can end this thing right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for your people and us engaging each other and talking about subject matters that are dear to your heart so that we can be able to produce and be able to dominate this thing called Earth. We thank you, Lord, for your kingdom. We thank you for allowing us, through your Holy Spirit, to establish your kingdom here on Earth. And we ask, Lord, that everything that we do say and think be glorified to your name. Let no flesh glorify in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said before, my name is uh, Pastor Jeremy Jackson. Uh, I am the pastor of Mark Generation Outreach. And uh, our slogan is marked to be a firebrand chosen to change the world. And the campaign that I'm running right now is a campaign that is dear to my heart. It's dear to a lot of people's hearts. And I know that a lot of people can relate to this subject matter. The subject matter and the, um, the statement is, get shut up. Again, I'll say it again, debt shut up. We live in a society that is moved and plagued with a common enemy. Whether you're saved, whether you're unsaved, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, it's a common enemy that every last one of us has to deal with one way or another in our lifetime. And that common enemy is debt. Again, that common enemy is debt. And the question is, how do you deal with debt? Do you hold on a conversation with it? Do you allow it to plague you and taunt you and, and cause all manner that of, uh, havoc in your life? Or do you learn how to uh, put a muzzle on it? Do you learn how to tell it to shut up? And a lot of people have asked me, well, why have you um, uh, used the word shut up or the, uh, the saying shut up? Isn't it a little harsh? And I asked them the question, is debt harsh to you? Is debt kind to you? When you have your debt collectors contact you, do they have any sympathy for you? Do they do they uh, take the time out to call you during a decent hour, or do they call you night and day? And, of course, the response is the same. <laughs> they, they really could care less about their lives. So um, that's the slogan. That's what we, we believe in and what we're standing on with this debt uh, shut-up campaign. And um, this that we're using with the campaign is called, uh, comes from Romans, Romans 13, 8. And uh, the scripture says, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And this was Jesus speaking in this time, uh, basically uh, talking about how we're not to anything to anybody have no debt to anybody the only debt that we have or the only cause that we have is to love one another jesus gave us two commandments to love one another uh, to love our neighbor as ourselves and the lord love the lord our god with all our heart soul and mind and the foundation of this is understanding that debt was never an intention from god debt was never an intention from god since the beginning of time when God created Adam as well as Eve, he never intended for Adam to be put into debt. The first thing he gave him was work. He told him to take care of the garden. He told him to do certain things. After Eve was created, he then gave him a commandment, and that was in Genesis one twenty-eight. It says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful. And multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So, in that, I see that we see that God gave them four, gave Adam and Eve four major commands or assignments to do. First, he told him, to be fruitful, which also can be used, a word can be used in that, it's called produce. Then after that, he said multiply, which is reproduction. And then he said replenish, which is distribution. And then he said take dominion, or to subdue it, and take dominion, and that's dominate. So we are called to do four things in the earth, which is produce, reproduce, distribute, and dominate. Those are four major... Uh, assignments that God has called us in the earth to do. Now, the conflicting enemy of force that is against us in these four major areas is debt. If you think about it, debt is plaguing um, pastors, it's plaguing leaders in the church, it's plaguing believers, it's plaguing those that are unsaved as well. It can affect your health. It can affect your family. It can affect your marriage. It can affect your relationships. It can affect you on your job. It can affect you in so many ways. And I was talking to my godmother uh, about the same subject the other day, and it was amazing the conversation that we had. And I was talking about how we wear debt. We drive in debt. We live in debt. We sleep with debt. And she asked me, well, what do you mean by that? I said, we charge everything on a credit card that we cannot afford. We pay for things that we cannot afford. And it's amazing, it's not our money. So in essence, we're enslaved to debt. And debt has no power. That, that's the amazing thing about it. Debt has no power. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, he paid the debt for everything in our lives. The problem is we have not allowed that payment to manifest in our lives. We sit here and we go out and we purchase so many different things and we spend over our limits, spend over our income. We don't care what's coming in. We only care what we can what we can buy. We don't we don't use credit effectively and properly, so we abuse it, and then we find ourselves in these situations and praying to God. God deliver me. God save me. God uh, take this away and take that away. We wonder why we're in health issues and we have cancer and we have all these other things. Yes, debt is the stimulating factor of that all. And I want to ask you. Um, Brother Paul, in reference to debt, do you feel that debt could be the number one cause of a lot of the issues that we're having that we have in our society today?
0: I believe do you feel
1: that it, that might be a factor.
0: It is. It is. Um, okay. Debt is a form of bondage, and mm-hmm. I really believe that debt is a number one um, issue is because it's bondage, you know, and we don't want to owe no one. And my grandfather Mm -hmm. lived off that principle, and I always heard people talking about him and how, you know, he just was wise with his money. But that was a conversation I heard, not something that I learned. So growing up, Mm -hmm. the concept of what wealth is or what it can do, I was taught wrong. I was taught wrong and ended up like everybody else in total, um, in total bondage. So, you know, as I mature, I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to do things, but I didn't have enough money. So, of course, I would have to uh, go to a bank and apply for loans and apply for credit cards. But I was mm-hmm. having a hard time you know, having a hard time qualifying for good interest rates and credit cards and/or loans uh, because of the present bondage. So no one ever mm-hmm. sat down and you know told me the importance of credit. Uh, that no one ever sat me down, told me how to save. Um, I don't know, but here in Philadelphia, Pastor, um, mm-hmm. and I can choke myself right because down the street, <laughs> down the street. The Chinese store sold single T-shirts. Wow. All right. They sold single T-shirts for $5. And this is what we did as youth. We just ran down the Mm -hmm. street. When the T-shirt got dirty, we gave the man, the Chinese man, the store owner, $5 for a new T-shirt. We did this all week, all year, especially in the, the hotter months. No one said, go get a pack of T-shirts.
1: <laughs> so I agree. Okay. Okay. And I'm glad that you shared that that, that uh, testimony and that experience because as a pastor, I know the frustration and the pressure of debt um, from holding events and different um uh, places to rent out, to have services, to have conventions, to have different uh, uh, functions and events. It's difficult as a pastor. A lot of pastors are suffering and experiencing a lot of pressure and they put that pressure on the people that they have in their community bodies uh, of believers. And it's in the form of tithes and offering and, and, and trying to compel the people to give. But we have to ask the question, if debt is a common enemy that we all are dealing with, how do we expect to build the kingdom of God financially or even through our gifts, talents, and abilities when we are distracted because we are so focused on the debt that we're suffering from? A lot of us go to work uh, just to, to pay debt student loans, you're going to school, but you're going to school, you're paying for a degree that you're indebted to that university with, or to those banks with, and I want to read a scripture that is really interesting, it says in Psalms 37, verse 21, it says, the wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. That's very interesting that it says that the wicked borrows but does not pay back. This is not talking about an unsaved person. This is just talking about a wicked person, period. So the Bible is saying if you don't pay your debt, if you borrow something from someone and don't have any intention of paying it off, then you're considered wicked. But it says, but the righteous is generous and gives. How can you be generous and give if you're stuck in the position of borrowing all the time? You never have any money. You never have any overflow. So in essence, you are a slave to the debt. In Proverbs 22 and 7, it says the borrower is slave to the lender. It calls you what you are, a slave to the lender. Now, I understand we are in Black History Month, and we we, we look back over uh, the history of not only um, uh, black people, but of America and other uh, other, uh, history lessons that we've learned. And one thing that I've noticed, that although slavery was a catastrophic event that took place here in America, might I still say that it's still going on today? And a lot of people say, how is that so? And I say, through debt. You're a slave through debt. You're a slave to pay off your debt. You go to work to what? Pay debt. You go to work to pay debt. You go on that nine-to-five job to pay your debts. You're never free. You're constantly controlled every step of the way. And... You have no plan. If he, the Bible talks about he who, uh, uh, the, the, without a vision, the people perish. We have to have a vision on how we're going to get out of debt. As I said before, debt has no power. All it does is talk. All your creditors do, all your pe- uh, the people that you uh, deal with on a constant basis that you're in debt to do is talk. They call you. They harass you. They tell you, um, we're going to come and take your car. Or we're going to, uh, you need to pay your debt. You need to pay your debt. You need to pay your debt. They constantly call you every single day. My, a lot of you all are scared to answer them. The spirit of fear has gripped your soul. The reason why I say that is because I, am one, I was one of them. I didn't want to go to my mailbox. I didn't want to see what debtors I had to pay. I didn't want to listen to the voicemails that were on my phone. When people call my phone, I would for I would forward the call, or I would look at the call and say, oh, that's a debtor. I don't want I don't want to talk, pay them. I don't want to talk to them because I didn't have the money." And that that's where we have to get better as the kingdom of God. That's even like paying uh, tithes, and and a lot of people um, have so so much controversy over that subject matter because. We've been taught so many different ways and so many different arguments around that subject matter. But I've thought about this subject matter a lot. We're talking about 10%. And it talks about in in the Levitical laws with tithes that once you gave your tithe, you were supposed to give resources to the priest, the Levites. The thing about it was if you gave monetarily, you're supposed to give actually 20%. You're supposed to be giving more than what the people gave as far as resources. Now, why do I bring that up? Because the argument is, and what I'm telling you is, that we give tithe every day. What do I mean by that? You give tithe to something every single day of your life. The question is, what is the tithe to? You're going to serve a master. The Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. But either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will despise the one and be kind to the other. So therefore, you have to understand that you will tithe. You will pay a debt to somebody. The question is, are you going to pay your debt to the world, who is controlling you right now, who is enslaving you right now? Or are you going to allow Christ to have already paid your debt and allow the Holy Spirit to allow you to dominate. Again, I gave you that scripture in Genesis, Genesis 128, that talked about the four areas to produce, reproduce, distribute, and dominate. We have to produce. The problem that we have in the body of Christ right now is we're not producing as a whole. We're not producing as a whole. I know a lot of people are asking, well, Pastor Jeremy, where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? All this, all this talking about dead and everything. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with this. And that's the problem. We are very uncomfortable with it. We don't like to talk about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Brother Paul. Are we, are we open to talk about this in churches? Is this the subject matter that everybody's talking about in churches?
0: No, but I truly believe, you know, that's the reason for the foundation of most of the ministries um mm-hmm. b- being weak is um yeah. the lack of um facing facing our debts um and really sitting down and f- trying to find out a way um to put these issues in their proper perspective and it is a problem exactly. it's a problem
1: yeah and deuteronomy twenty-eight twelve. i love this scripture it says the lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Yes, that's in the Bible, Deuteronomy 28 and 12. So that tells me that God does not desire for us to borrow. Now, I know you might be asking the question, well, is it a sin to have debt? There's no scripture in the Bible that would tell you that it is a sin to have debt. There's no scripture in the Bible that says that you should not have debt. But at the end of the day, we do understand that God's original intent in this scripture that we just saw in Deuteronomy 28:12, his original intent is not for you to be in Debt. Matter of fact, God is a giver; He is not a lender. That's that's interesting to me. He God is a giver and not a lender. How do I know that God is a giver? In John three sixteen, He said, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life." Everlasting life is not just after death. Everlasting life is in the present on earth. We have to understand we were created for earth. We were not created for heaven. And I believe me and Brother Paul have been talking about this for several years in reference to kingdom, kingdom mindedness, and understanding the concept of kingdom. A lot of people don't understand when you become born again, you become a part of a kingdom. This is not a democracy. And unfortunately, we have programmed ourselves to live in a democracy uh, or think that the kingdom of God is a democracy. It is not a democracy. That's why there's so much conflict. And a lot of times we forget that God is the king. God is the king. Then we have a kingdom, which is the kingdom of heaven. We are supposed to be establishing the culture of God or the culture of heaven on earth. Jesus gave us direct authority through the Holy Spirit to actually enforce the kingdom of heaven here on earth. How do we enforce that? By dominating, by producing, by reproducing, by distributing, and by dominating. I've learned that over the years, I'm, I'm now an entrepreneur. I've worked for corporate America in different ways. Uh, over my years of living, I'm only 33 years old, about to be 34, and over that course of time, I began working at the age of 15. When I started working, I worked nine to five jobs, and I saw how my pay per hour increased. But it was very interesting, as my pay per hour increased, the amount of taxes And different things that were taken from me increased as well. At the same time, as I got older, more expenses started to play a role in my life. I started to see that things started to take precedence over my life, even when I was single. When I uh, was single, I started to realize that I I started getting into debt. Once you turn 18, they're, they're coming at you. With credit cards, they're coming at you with credit cards. They're not telling you how to use the credit cards. And a lot of times it's the silent killer because we don't talk about it. As Brother Paul said, we don't talk about it in the church. We think it's the scariest thing to talk about because we don't want to, as Brother Paul said again, we don't want to face our debt. And of course, we pass it down from generation to generation to generation, and pastors are not full-time pastors because they still have debt to pay. Pastors can't be what they're supposed to be because they have debt. Apostles, bishops, prophets, all these different leadership roles are not effective because they're not fully engaged in what their assignments are because of what? Debt. Ministries can't come together. We already are not as unified as we should be, because we're supposed to be spreading the love of Christ. He said that you will know; they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. A lot of times we think the favor of God is just supposed to be this thing that just magically puts this, this mag- magically grows on us, just because we say, "God, give me your favor." A lot of times we don't understand that we have a part to play in it. And a statement that I want to say, share with a lot of people is, God cannot keep you out of debt. Yes, I said it. God cannot keep you out of debt. And I know you're saying, Pastor Jeremy, whoa, 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 whoa what, what are you saying? What are you really saying? How, how could you say such a thing? God cannot keep me out of debt. God is an almighty God. He's uh, omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's all of these things. He's unlimited. There's no limitations to God. Well, my friend, unfortunately, there is some limitations to God. God has set certain limitations, certain laws in effect. There's two laws that God has set in effect that he will not break. The first law is free will. God will not break your free will. If you continue to spend more than what comes into your bank account or to, into what you actually work for, guess what? That will bring on debt in your life. God is not going to just magically erase that. He's not just going to imagine. say, "Up, oh, you don't owe it no more. no. He's not, because you made a choice and you have consequences that go along with those choices. We have to be realistic and understand who God is and what the nature of God is. Now, can he help you get out of debt? Yes, once you actually make the change and put the action to your faith. He can get you out of debt, but it's up to you to stay out of debt. Again, my statement was God cannot keep you out of debt. He can get you out. But he cannot keep you out of debt. That's up to you. The second thing that God has a limitation to is that he will not operate in the earth without a body. And a lot of people say, what are you you talking about? God will not operate his will in the earth without a body, a human being. How do I know that? When he came in the form of Jesus Christ. That's his body that he used to infiltrate his assignment in the earth of allowing us to be free, paid in full, shedding debt up. The debt of sin was shed up by Jesus dying on the cross for our sin and raising from the dead. So that means he has to use human beings to operate in the earth his will. We are designed and created to infiltrate the very culture of God or heaven in the earth. When God placed Adam in the Eden, Eden in the Hebrew is interpreted as open heaven. It's interpreted as open heaven. That's why the atmosphere was so set and, and, and um, uh, Adam walked with God in his presence in the cool of the day. Now, in that, he had gold, he had precious stones, he had so much wealth that was given to him. Notice, Adam did not have to work for any of this. Adam was just placed. He created Eden before he created Adam. So what am I saying? God is a giver. He never lended it to Adam. He told him to take dominion. He gave him dominion over Eden and the earth. His job was to display the very culture of heaven on earth. A kingdom is not a democracy. See, democracies are built and controlled by the vote of the people. In a kingdom, there is no vote. There's no say so by the people. They operate under the king. The way the king and it establishes a new land that they've now uh invaded. What they do is they establish what is known as culture. They have to establish their culture, they establish their religion, they establish their language, they establish their way of life. they establish all of those different things, and the people that were originally there now become colonized under the kingdom. Well, may I say? That we're supposed to be colonizing every territory, every city that your church is set in is supposed to be set up to colonize that region for the kingdom of God. The problem is we have not met with the surrounding uh, officials, which are known as other churches in that region, to come together as one to take that entire region for the cause of Christ. We're too busy trying to have our own individual visions and we don't realize we're not making any headway with what our assignments are supposed to be. We become distracted. We become distracted in so many ways that we want to ride in the best car. We want to have the best house. We want to have this and have this and show off. But we're not realizing that what we have, what we come in on every Sunday morning is what? Debt. We're clothed in debt. We drive up in debt. That house that we have is dead. We don't own those houses. Let me ask you a question, Brother Paul. How many people in the average church own their home? Flat out.
0: It's not even not even thirty percent.
1: Not even thirty percent, right? Right. And that, that that's scary. We're talking about we're highly favored. We're talking about we're the kingdom of God. We're talking about we take demands and we're scared to walk up in the bank and tell the bank what we want. We're scared to go anywhere and buy anything in cash. Why? Because we have not prepared ourselves. We're still under the bondage of debt. And it's not God's fault. It's ours. It's ours. Unfortunately, when we pay for Christmas... We buy our children all these different toys, all these different things that they don't need, that they're not in need of, but we buy it because we're trying to compete with the Joneses. Valentine's Day. All these different holidays that have nothing to do with God, but yet and still we participate. We're distracted. Our investment of our money Is being distracted and pulled away. And instead of settling our debt, what do we do? We go and indulge on the pleasures of life. And then we want God to fix it. I'm praying today that we change our mindset. Change our mindset. Paul said, I renew my mind daily. I have to renew my mind daily. You have to renew your mind daily. And talk to one another about your debt. That's one thing that I've learned in these past few years. I remember me and my wife were in a a transitional state. We could not call a place home for two months, two whole months. And I have three children, or five children altogether, but my three children were with me full-time. I have a blended family. And we did not have two a place have to stay because children. our apartment had mold and we had some uh, dealings with the apartment complex whereby they had evicted us and um, kicked us out on the street. I'm just being real with you. I suffered that embarrassment. And we lived in hotels. We finally got into a transitional home for 30 days. But in that time of transition, we had to understand I still was working. I still was doing what was necessary as a man for my home. But at the same time, I was planning, how was I going to get out of this debt? How was I going to get out of this debt? I started putting action to my faith. And a lot of times we speak faith, but we don't show any action to our faith. We can say shut up to debt all day long. But if we don't put action to those words, debt will continue to taunt you. Debt will continue to taunt you. And as a result, as we, we uh, believe God and pray for God, I'll never forget it. My son, my, 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 uh, at the time, he was three years old, I believe. And he, uh, maybe even two, I'm not sure. But he actually told me it was on a Sunday. A Sunday after church, because we still were going to church. We still were being faithful. And um, it was after a Sunday uh, evening, and it was raining like crazy. And my son told me, Daddy, I want a house. I want a house. And I said, you're talking about apartment, right? He said, no, I want a house. And I was upset that day because we had to find somewhere to live because we only had 10 more days in the transitional home. So we had to find somewhere else to live. And I was like, God, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, my wife told me to turn into this neighborhood. I turned into the neighborhood and we were just driving around. And I told her, we are not looking for no house and no rain. It don't make no sense. And sure enough, we drove by several different houses and we called the, um, called the number on the rental pro- a property. And the first one was. You had to have uh, was certain stipulations that we did not meet. And we were like, man, we're not going to be able to get an apartment because we just got evicted from this other apart- apartment. So we have, we're have having to still deal with that situation. So I don't know how we're going to get a house. Well, we got the um, number to another house, and um, we called the owner. The owner told us, well, I have the keys for you. You can go in look at the house and see what you think. Went in, saw the house another day, and um, before the owner got there to show us the house, my son and I, God told me to walk around the house seven times like the, um, the walls of Jericho. And as we walked around the house, me and my son started declaring, fall down, fall down. Every wall, every wall fall down. We started walking around this house seven times, me and my little son walking around this house seven times, and I know the neighbors were looking at us crazy. They are like, who in the world are these people walking around this house singing this song, fall down, fall down, every wall, every wall fall down. And as we sung the song, I believed in my heart that this house was going to be ours. Now get this, the, the, the owner told us, he said, well, I have already an application on file, and they already have made me an offer, And they seem more stable. But I want you to still go ahead and apply for the home. I applied for the home, and I was like, God, why in the world am I applying for this home? he got somebody already. These people are more stable than us. They have jobs. They have this. They have that. And uh, they're retired, and they have settled income. So why would he choose me over them? And God told me to write a letter to the owner of why I deserve to have that home. Shortly after, my phone got turned off, and I was not able to get back in contact with the actual owner. Two weeks later, my phone got turned back on. The owner had contacted me and left several voicemails. He finally got back in contact with me. He said, Jeremy, I don't know what happened. Uh, Evidently, something must be going on with my phone, but I just wanted to let you know the house is yours. When do you want to move in? And I was like, are you serious? He said, I'm serious. Now, that was two days prior to us having to move out of the, of the transitional home, apartment. So we asked him, could we move in sooner than expected? And he said, you can move in whenever you need to. Let me know when you have the payment for the deposit, and we'll go ahead and handle that later. He gave me the keys to the house, and we had our home. Now, we've been here for three years and God has been faithful. Have we had challenges? Have we had issues? Yes, we have. But at the end of the day, every turn, every time debt tries to crawl up in our face, we tell it to shut up. How do we tell it to shut up? We operate together as a unified body and we help those that need help as well. And that's what I'm trying to share with you. When you come together, and you share what kind of situation you're in with someone else, then guess what? God can bring the increase. Psalms 133 talks about, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And in that place of unity, he commands the blessing and life evermore. So the blessing is in the unity of his people coming together as one. In the the earlier days of the church, the apostles and the body of Christ would come together in their houses, and they would meet the needs of the community body. It wasn't a matter of, that's your debt, you need to take care of it. It was a matter of, if we all are debt-free, we can function better as one. That is the answer to the church. That is how the church becomes more uh, effective in the world. That's how the church shows their effectiveness in the world, by helping one another. I understand feeding the hungry and and helping the uh, other people that are destitute and all these other things are great, wonderful. I get it. But the question that I have is, why aren't we dealing with one another? Why are we dealing with one another first? Why are we not dealing with one another? The Deuteronomy 28 and 12 told you, if you take care of your debt, it says that the Lord would open for you his good storehouse. That means God's storehouse, God's bank account is never dry. His government, his kingdom never shuts down. It never has problems with giving you what you need. It says the heavens to give rain to your land. It gives rain. It gives resources to your business. It gives resources to your ministry. It gives resources to your family. It gives resources to your marriage. It gives resources to those ideas that you have even as a child. It gives resources. In its season, people, we have to understand it's a process. We have to understand, when we plant that seed in the ground, it doesn't automatically sprout up. You have to water it. You have to till the ground. You have to work the ground in order for it to bring forth a plant and ultimately a tree. You have to understand that. And then, and to bless all the work of your hand. Your work of your hand is blessed. It's not the nine to five. It's what you were destined to do. It's what the passion that God put on the inside of you. I speak to every person on this line, on this radio broadcast, that has an idea, that has a business idea, that has that entrepreneurship spirit. And I say to them that they will act on it. They will go forth. They will go forth with no fear understanding that this is the season yes when the when the stock market is going down when there's problems warren buffett just suffered four billion dollars losing four billion dollars in one day one day warren buffett one of the wealthiest men on the planet suffered a loss of four billion dollars in one day the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just but how is the wicked going to give us the wealth if we don't have anything for them to give it to us for? It goes back to the children of Israel. The children of Israel, we're in a pharaohic uh, climate right now. What do I mean by that? It says, if we are the children of Israel right now and Pharaoh is ruling over us, we're reproducing, we have all these people, but yet and still, They're using us. They're abusing us. They're keeping us confined. They're keeping us thinking, we can't do this, we can't do that. They got you thinking, oh, you can't can't increase your tax return. You can't do all these different things. You've been depending on this tax return all this time. Waiting for this tax return to come forth. And the tax return didn't turn out to be the amount of money that you anticipated. Why? Because you didn't, you didn't think about the fact if you would have stepped out and started that business that God told you to start, that you would have got a greater return on your tax return. Because guess what? That business would have opened up doors for you to be there able to have what is called tax write-offs. Those tax write-offs would have allowed you to be able to do some things and create some resources that you once did not have. This is the stuff that we need to be talking about in churches. These are the things that we need to be dealing with in our local body of believers. Romans 13 and 7 says, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. Is old. That's a powerful scripture. That's a powerful scripture because it's telling you pay your debt, itemize your debt. Just like uh, 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 Brother uh, Paul was talking about, his, he saw his dad atomize his debt. He saw how he atomized his debt. We need to teach this next generation a better way, a better way. We have to learn how to, 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 to um, be more understanding and wise in how we deal with debt. Because the enemy has not changed his tactics. He's not changed his tactics. He's continued in the same way as he's already has for so many uh, millenniums. Let me ask you a question, um, Brother Paul. Mm-hmm. How do we stop debt from being a generational cycle? It's how do we stop mm-hmm. it from being a generational cycle?
0: Mm-hmm. I, just by approaching approaching um, the issue at hand and doing what the wealthy do, uh, doing what the wealthy do. and that's um, first, you know, um, taking these concepts and working them, taking the concepts of the scriptures, um and working them, but really sitting down as a family, sitting down as a ministry, sitting down with the mm-hmm. youth and teaching them um the power of you know, just how to save and what is debt. Just having um a, a basic financial conversation with them. So mm-hmm. uh at least by time they're what, twenty one, twenty-two, twenty-three, they already have uh closing money already in their bank account for their home there's already yeah. a set side of money for the kids to go to college which will uh then chop that uh student loans it has chopped that student loans um in half or however everybody's not getting a scholarship all right so mm-hmm. a lot of that mm-hmm. debt can be eliminated by you know enough with the dancing enough with the um the flattering uh, preaching, but to sit down and really talk. And, you know, I truly believe because I was, you know, I just shared with the people, I was being turned down and turned down, but the Lord will help you. He will help us. He will, you know, we sit down and we begin to take action and pull that credit report. Look at that credit report and take action. And the Lord, um you know, he does supernatural things. Some will just fall off. You will not know how to write the letter. Some, again, they exactly. would just, you know, you don't know what to expect, but it's honorable to owe no man. So we want to put ourselves in a place of honor so that the Lord can begin to trust us with more wealth. Um, and a whole yeah. generation will be blessed because somebody will have the wealth um, to be a blessing. Imagine Going to a church and the church hand you house keys. Imagine Come being, on now. being jobless and the, the church has a job for you. You know? Yes. I, imagine somebody yes. has the light bill, the electric bill, uh the car repo, and you go back to the kingdom and that kingdom reestablishes you. All right? And exactly. that's that's powerful. You know, the Bible states that uh what's that scripture? Uh the cattle's on a thousand hills
1: on the shadows on a thousand <laughs>
0: hills. Amen. <laughs>
1: Amen. 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 And that that's so interesting because the children of Israel were designed to be a nation of creditors. It's interesting to me. Because in Deuteronomy twenty eight, twelve, it says at the last stanza of that, that scripture it says, And you shall lend to many Nations. If you look at the history of the children of Israel when they were in Egypt under the pharaohic, um, uh under the um uh, stands of Pharaoh, they they actually were um, they actually had to do. They were under bondage. They were under basically debt. They were under debt. They were paid servants, indentured servants. So in that, that is a noose around your neck because you cannot do anything. They could not go anywhere. They were enlisted in Pharaoh's army. Their children were, their sons. And, of course, they kept the stamina or the economic system of Egypt up. That's why Egypt was the number one empire at that time period. It was the most powerful empire at that time period. Now, when Moses came on the scene, it was interesting to me because Moses told Pharaoh to let his people go. And originally God was not going to destroy or smite, uh, Egypt with so much to the point where it render it, not to be the, the greatest empire of all time. It could have stayed what it was. But Pharaoh did not want to listen. And he had his magicians show. If you notice, a lot of the plagues dealt with a lot of the departments of their structural system. The Nile was the way that they actually did goods and services down. And um, they said that the blood actually tarnished their ships to where they were, not able to be, uh, they were not able to sail up and down the Nile. They killed the fish in the water, so they didn't have any livelihood of the water or anything to that, uh, that nature. Of course, the frogs and the pestilence went after their crops. Then they got boils, and then the hail came raining down, which assured a lot. Then they were in darkness. Now, keep in mind, all of these plagues that happened, cattle dying, all these different things happening, Drying up, they didn't have any food, they didn't have any resources. But it was amazing to me because previously there was a man called Joseph that saved Egypt and allowed Egypt to be the greatest empire during that time before the Pharaoh that took over the Israelites. He actually came up with the plan to save them from the seven years of famine. And if you think about it, What they stored was grain, their seed. And in this day and time, we have to understand the devil is after our seed. He's after our power of investment. He understands if we do not invest and we do not dominate what areas and what uh, industries that God has called us to, then guess what? He will lose. He's already lost. But he doesn't want to accept his defeat. He believes if he could keep you off your game, if he could keep you out of what, he, what God has desired you and assigned you to dominate, then guess what? He has won the game. He plays chess. So I bring all that up to say that after they left, a lot of people don't realize that during the time of darkness and the different uh, plagues that came over Egypt, God still kept the children of Israel they did not suffer the plagues how do I know that because during the last plague which was the killing of the firstborn sons they had to prepare a meal of what of a lamb and a bread and a fig leaf and bitter herbs and oil They talked about what they prepared, and they had to eat it quickly. How did they have these resources if all of Egypt was supposed to be plagued? That tells me even in the midst of plague and judgment, God still prepares a way for his people. He always keeps his people. So what am I saying to us? Even though we're suffering economic problems in our economy, we must understand that God has already made a way. He has told you to prepare yourself for what He's about to do. Because, get this, in the morning, they gave, the Egyptians gave, or allowed them to borrow their wealth. God instructed the children of Israel to borrow the wealth of Egypt. Why in the world would God tell them to borrow the wealth of Egypt if they were not coming back? Because he knew how to negotiate with them. Their mind framers were already messed up because they had just suffered the loss of their firstborn sons. So they were already in a mindset of torment, of understanding that the children of Israel's God, the great I am was that powerful to bring the entire economic system of Egypt to its knees. So what God did was he allowed them to leave with the wealth of Egypt after he had already destroyed their livelihood, after he had destroyed the Nile, after he had destroyed all of these other things. He allowed them to leave with the wealth of Egypt. And then he allowed them to go through the Red Sea. And he waited for the Egyptians' army to get in the middle of the sea. They said said it took about a day for them to get through the actual sea. And when they got through, he allowed the chariots' wheels to break so that they were stuck. And then he allowed those seas to cave in on them and drown them. And then he allowed their bodies to wash up on the shore. To allow Pharaoh to know that I just crippled and crumbled and destroyed your entire empire. He killed his army. He destroyed his economic system. He took his resources. And what did he do? He gave it to the children of Israel. That's why they were prepared for battle. See, we have to understand that God always prepares a way. It's preparation. It's called a process. We cannot allow ourselves to continue to go through the generational cycles of debt. We have to go through the process of understanding that God has already paid our debt. It's up to us to allow God to do and uh, establish the process that he has in our lives. The process is for us to love one another, be there for each other and get help each other get out of debt. You know, most cultures like the Jews and Asians and other people, they, 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 they learn to help one another. They bind together. They teach each other culture. They work together. They take shifts. And why are they doing that? Because they understand it's a common goal that they have to accomplish which is a legacy. We have to understand it's a church that our young people are our legacy. Without young people understanding the power of overcoming debt by telling it to shut up, they will fall prey to the same demons that have been plaguing our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents for so long. It is sad that we, that you know, you know amazingly, our ancestors that went through slavery that had problems with, with with so much, they had to they had to go through so much in tyranny and they had to suffer in silence. We have an opportunity that's far greater than anybody else on the face of this planet. Dr. Martin Luther King was one of our leaders. They did an excellent job in civil rights movement. The problem was he had a dream. Dreams are visions that cannot be accomplished in your lifetime. They have to be passed down from generation to generation. Whereas visions are actual visions that can be accomplished in your lifetime. Why? Because you have the youth. You have the understanding of how to accomplish that assignment. It's a reachable goal. Dreams are not reachable goals. They can only be accomplished and prepared for the next generation. We have to understand. We have to prepare not only the next generation for the dreams that we have, but we also have to fulfill the visions that God has already ordained us for in our own generation. We have to accomplish these visions, and we cannot not allow them to remain visions. Dr. Martin Luther King had a dream, but yet and still. We were supposed to be the ones that accomplished that dream through our visions. What have we done? We put his legacy in a museum. We put his legacy on display. But we have not indoctrinated in ourselves and in our lives and allowed it to flourish and to become and manifest itself in the natural. We've yet to do it. Why? Because we have not bound, band band together. I'm sorry, band together. We have to band together. We have to unify. We have to unify. That's the only way we're going to be able to overcome this debt. This thing called debt. That's the only way you're going to be able to tell debt to shut up. Stop being ashamed of it. Stop being ashamed of that you can't pay your bills. Stop being ashamed that you had your car repossessed. I've had my car repossessed twice. The first time, well, both times was voluntarily. Both times were voluntarily. And it was amazing because the second time I had it happen, they actually told me, Mr. Jackson, we can work with you. They wanted to keep me in the debt. They wanted to keep me in the debt. And that's how the enemy wants to play it. He wants to keep you in the debt. So many cars we drive, we don't own. We don't own. We put out a 7 year car note on a car that we'll never own. Matter of fact, seven years, that car's going to break down before the next seven years. Or you're going to trade it in. One way or another, you're not going to have that car eventually. But guess what? You're still going to have that debt. Student loans, we don't band together and have Uh, 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 college funds for our children we don't have life insurance for our children we don't have wills set in place for our children but yet and still people are dying every single day and their families are still stuck with their debt we're born in debt and we die in debt and we leave our debt to our, our next generation too much too much I say not so anymore It's time for us to tell debt to shut up in our lives. It's time for us to tell debt to shut up in our families. It's time for us to tell debt to shut up in our marriages. I'm tired of marriages breaking and people ending in divorce because of debt. So many people get married in debt. They already have debt that they bring to the table. And then they want to establish more debt with the doggone, uh, a doggone marriage or a wedding that they cannot afford. Tens and twenties of thousands of dollars that we pay on, 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 on um, wedding days that we don't even get to enjoy, really, honestly. We're taking a whole bunch of pictures, greeting a whole bunch of hands, but we're really not engaging and enjoying it. So what do we really do? we just put on a show, a very expensive show that now we have to live with for the rest of our lives. The next five years, we're still trying to pay that wedding off. The ring that I bought, we're still trying to pay that ring off. When are we going to learn as the church that there are certain things that's more important than showing off? People will know that you are in love with your wife and with your husband. Other than you having to have an expensive wedding or having to have an expensive ring on your finger. Now, if you can afford it by God, do it. But be wise with your money. Be wise with what God is giving you. Be a good steward. Be a good steward. Multiply. God did not call you you to add or subtract. Yes, I said it. God does not add and subtract. God multiplies and divides. How do I know that? Jesus fed over 5,000 people. They only counted the men. They didn't count the women and children. So it was well over 5,000 people that he fed. With two fish and five loaves of bread. He divided the bread. It says that he broke the bread. And he broke the fish. And he put it in the basket. And he blessed it. And he said, go and give it out to the people as they went to give it to the people it multiplied he first divided and then he multiplied he did not subtract he did not add see the devil subtracts he subtracts truth he subtracts your health he subtracts your hope he subtracts your faith he subtracts so many different things with his his attacks And then he adds different things. He adds lies in you. He adds deceit. He adds conflict. He adds disorder. He adds perversion. God does not have to subtract anything. Because everything he creates is perfect. It's the devil that tries to add and subtract. God does nothing more than multiply and divide. So we have to be on the same page. We have to be in the mindset of multiplying. A great investor knows how to multiply, knows how to divide dividends, and knows how to multiply dividends to increase. We have to have that same mindset. And stop talking so much about what you're going to do and start allowing your actions to speak louder than your words. That's how you tell debt to shut up in your lives. That's how you tell it to shut up in your lives pastors have a vision that incorporates the young people because believe it or not young people have the answer to a lot of ideas they have the ideas they have the visions social media is the greatest tool on the face of the planet but a lot of pastors a lot of apostles a lot of leaders right now in the church will not allow their young people to run their marketing for them why because they're afraid. They want to control so much. If you have the young people as the face of your ministry, your ministry will flourish. I tell a lot of people, um, a lot of ministries as I visit, they ask me, well, Pastor Jeremy, what do you think are the two building blocks of a ministry? How do you tell the health of a ministry? And I tell them, basically, you look at the youth department and you look at the evangelistical department. If both departments are not working hand in hand, then you have a problem. Eventually, your ministry is going to die. If you do not have young people being active in your ministry and you do not have the evangelistical team being the young people, there's a problem. The young people have the strength and they have the zeal to get out and hit the pavement and find ways of getting the gospel to the world. Whereas the adults and the elders they have the wisdom and the vision to direct the young people in the right direction. We have to grab these young people while we can and find out what their interest is, find out what their passion is, find out what they have in themselves. And in doing so, you're able to, they're able to relate with you through your testimony, through your shortcomings, through where you fail they won't fail because they understand that it's, more, it's about more than them. This thing is not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. And other people are attached to your destiny. Other people are attached to your destiny. And if you're allowing your destiny to be plagued by debt, you will never reach where God really wants you to be. I tell young people all the time, God is going to get his glory out of you one way or another. But believe me this, God always has a plan, just in case you don't want to act right. For every person that is born, at least three to four people take that person's place. They're born to take that person. I'm sorry, every person that dies, for every one person that dies, at least five babies are born in his place. Five babies are born in a person's place once they die. That shows the planning of God to know that if that one person died before their time, died because they didn't want to fulfill their dreams and fulfill their ambition and fulfill their assignment on their life, God will take their assignment, that one person's assignment, divide it. There it goes again, divided amongst the other five brand new born babies and distributed to those five brand new born babies along with their own individual assignments. So whose destiny are you holding in your hand? Who's waiting for you to step out on faith and start that business? Who's waiting for you to step out on faith and motivate these young people? You don't have to wait for them to be in high school. You don't have to wait for them to be in college. The time starts whenever God allows them to walk across your path, from the youngest to the oldest. We all have to be open to understanding this is about unity. Unity and love are the two major factors that overcome debt. Unity and love. During the Great Depression, the way they were able to overcome and to survive during that time period was because people came together. People came together and met the needs of each other during the great depression. You had people reaching out and fixing meals for each other, spending time in each other's houses when their lights were off, making more blankets for people when the power was turned off or the gas was turned off. Allow them to stay with them. We need to do more of that, people of God. When somebody is homeless, if they're in their, your family or not in your family, if you know them from church, that's why the Bible tells us that we should know them that labor among us. We have to know them that labor among us. Why do we need to know the people that labor among us? Because it's very vital so that we can know each other and our functions in the body of Christ. You were not called or ordained to be a bishop just so you can be called bishop or be called apostle or be called prophet or be called pastor or evangelist or minister or elder. You were ordained before the foundation of the earth by God himself. Ordination comes from God. Confirmation comes from man. Ordination comes from God. How do I know that? Jesus himself was ordained by God. John the Baptist didn't ordain Jesus. God ordained Jesus. How do I know that? Because when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, they said that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Nobody saw this. But yet and still, the voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's what happened. But nobody else heard that. John the Baptist did not hear that. How do I know that? Because once John the Baptist was arrested soon after, he asked his disciples to go to Jesus and see whether or not he was the real son of God. And Jesus said, tell John, the blind see, the lame walk. This is the season. This is the time. And John the Baptist was reassured of who Jesus was. Jesus always asked people, who do men say that I am? Notice Jesus never said he was the son of God. He allowed his work to speak for itself. Pilate asked him. Peter, all the apostles asked him when they were disciples. He asked them, who do men say that I am? He said, some say that you are Elijah, some say that you are a great prophet. He said, now who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have to understand that we're on a a greater purpose than ourselves. It's bigger than just your business. It's bigger than just your ministry. It's bigger than just you being a pastor. It's bigger than that. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. It's about the message of the kingdom. So I encourage you all. In closing, I encourage you you all to tell debt to shut up. Let's let's re- relinquish ourselves of this enemy that has plagued our families for so many generations. Let's eliminate it. Let's not be slaves to it no longer. Now you know the truth. Allow the truth to set you free. All you should ever hear from debt or allow debt to say in your life is paid in full. You should never allow debt to say anything else to you but paid in full because as a royal member of the kingdom of God, because you were born again through Jesus Christ and through his blood, you are now a royal family member. He doesn't have the right. Debt doesn't have the right. Fear doesn't have the right. Satan doesn't have the right. To even talk to you. Without you allowing him to. The only thing he can do is shut up. So I encourage you. To join the campaign. Join the movement. Tell debt to shut up. In your life. And I promise you. You will see the kingdom of God. resonating your life. You'll do more than just be a billionaire or a millionaire. You'll be a kingdom heir. Kingdom mayor has no limitations. You'll be a kingdompreneur. Kingdompreneur dominates. It has no competition. McDonald's is successful right now because it has no competition. They do nothing more than dominate. They produce the product called the big mac after they produced that product called the big mac they created chains franchises they start franchising mcdonald's in so many different areas allowing people to buy their own franchises and to reproduce and distribute the big mac throughout the world now they dominate the market worldwide why why Because they didn't see any competition. Child of God, you have no competition. You have nothing but destiny. You're not competing against the world. The world is not your competition. The world is your assignment. Your assignment is to dominate and create the culture of God on earth. To win souls for Christ. How do you win souls for Christ if you're stuck in debt? It's difficult. It's challenging. Not impossible, but it's challenging. You have to go through so much trial and tribulation, and you cannot live in true peace. You can't sleep well. Your health is relentlessly shaken. The relationships, your marriage, all these different things are broken but you can tell it to shut up today. I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to hand it back over to Brother Paul. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We thank you for your people. I thank you for every person that's listening on this broadcast. I ask, Lord, that they will make the choice today to tell debt to shut up in their lives, that they will understand the power of not only saying it, but living it today. Allow them not to be afraid to face their debt, to itemize it, to make a plan how to overcome it, to make a plan to help their children not have to go through the same debts they had to go through. Allow them to prosper with the work of their hands, every business idea. Everything that they have, every idea that they have on their jobs, allow them to understand that that job is an assignment to God. Allow them to accomplish that assignment by faith to win souls for Christ. I thank you, Lord, for your kingdom coming and being done on earth as it already is in heaven. I thank you that although we go through the shadow of death, we don't fear evil because you're with us. You lead and guide us with the Holy Spirit to cover us with your blood. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We will be the creditors that will lend to the nations. We will be everything that you called us to be. I thank you for this time and this season. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.
0: Amen. amen. Uh, powerful. Uh this is powerful tonight. And I don't wanna um yeah, it's just powerful. So we could end actually on that okay. note. And we just wanna, okay. you know, thank our listeners. Thank um everyone who has chimed in tonight. And if you're on this call, it's not by chance. Somebody has to do it. Somebody has yeah. to bless this generation. Somebody has to Change just generation. And if you're on this show listening tonight, the Lord has truly chosen you to do it. Yeah. What has God placed in your hands to tell debt to shut up? Be blessed.
2: Yeah. Another. Hey. No matter what, you'll always be my brother. Hey. No matter where you're from, no matter. The- just don't say nothing about my mother If you say this shit, that we gon' do it bigger No excuses, everybody gon' deliver We gon' lock it down, keep that on the gorilla If you feelin' me, then holla at a figure If you say it's your time like never before what hell you down, won't hold you down no more Every time you do your thing, baby you believe that God don't want you to be whole Drop top ends and making ends and living nice Don't have to gamble to make a living rolling dice If you say that God got everything you need And don't need to sling no cane or sell no weed If you say that you got Jesus, do your math And zero out everything that is in your path you're sick and tired and you can't sleep at night hey. Just know that God gon' make everything right hey. If you say you got the word, and you got hope hey. And God Almighty's gonna help you cope hey. If you wanna grab the devil by the throat hey. Or better yet, just hang him by your rope